This is RevTech Podcast, where we discuss everything from business processes to measurement and technical alignment. The RevTech mission focuses on effectively managing and optimizing the go-to-market strategy through methodologies, tools, and best practices. We discuss the success criteria and technical fit guides for decision-making and ensure solutions align with the business goals. It brings me great pleasure to introduce our guest today, Nikita Zetkevich. Nikita is the Director of Channel Partnership at Partnerstack. Welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, happy to be here. Demetrius, I'm so glad you pronounced his last name because I would have butchered it way more than that. Uh, Nikita, it's so nice to, to have you here and thanks for being one of our first podcast guests. Um, so the first Absolutely. thing I want to understand is, is what Partnerstack uh, is in our sales pitch round. So can you give us the, the elevator pitch? Yeah, I mean, uh, basically what Partnerstack is your central partnership operating system. Um, so what we do uh, more tactically is we help organizations launch, scale, and automate anything from like a simple referral program to an affiliate program to a channel partner program, all the way to a technology partner and maybe a distribution partner program. Uh, but our goal is to be the central operating system for anything that happens within the partnerships ecosystem. And so there's two core things that we, you know, a lot of people think of a partner stack when, and, and that we typically do. The first is basically we are the infrastructure. So uh, tracking and attribution, links, leads, leads, deal registration, uh, you know, resources and collateral, training and certification, uh, payouts to partners globally. Um, that's kind of all falling under kind of this infrastructure bucket of what we do. And the second lever really is this kind of this growth lever. So Basically, we have our own marketplace of over 80,000 largely referral and marketing partners that can join programs and drive business to them. And then there's, a, there's kind of like a third lever that we'll probably get into a little bit later in this podcast. We can also get vendors listed in external third-party distributor marketplaces, uh, but we'll, we'll touch on that in a little bit too. But that's, that's the high-level elevator pitch on Partnerstack. That, that makes sense. Is, is that second lever that, because lots of people do the infrastructure component of it, and I'm sure there's differentiation there, but is that second uh, more growth lever uh, the differentiator that you see compared to some of the other PRMs in the marketplace? I mean, it's definitely a really big one. Um, I'd say that there's probably, to partner sec, there's a couple of really big differentiators. The marketplace is a huge one, right? So when you look at like tooling, sometimes it's just that, it's just tooling. Um, so You'll get a PRM, but you won't find the partners that will ultimately drive you the business. Um, so the marketplace is one of the biggest differentiators. You tap into a network of partners that are already selling complementary solutions on partner stack that could also be selling your solution, which is which is a win. Um, the big, the second uh, big thing that uh, I usually also talk about is payouts, partner payouts and compliance globally. Not a lot of players in the space do that. Um, Candidly, I think it's a big miss by them. Uh, there's a lot of organizations and a lot of partner organizations that struggle to pay out their partners and you know make it consistent and make sure that the partners feel heard uh, on the other side of it. So that's usually a really big differentiator. And then I think the the third one, which is a little bit newer, is our ability to really kind of get vendors listed in third-party distributor marketplaces. Um, so programs like the Pinnacle program with Ingram Micro or Constellation with Aero Distribution um, really kind of extend uh, you know, these, these mature programs and allow these programs to really blossom in mature ecosystems as well. Yeah, that makes sense. The global payouts is one when we launched a referral program, our legal and finance team was like, 
do it USL like because we don't want to deal with it. So that's a, a big yeah, it's, it's to get over for a little. Huge headache. Yeah, you'd be surprised the amount of organizations that I go into and we have conversations with. They're like the finance team's like, yeah, like we have a massive Excel spreadsheet, um, and we're we're tracking all of the payouts. And I'm like, man, that's you know, there's there's definitely a recipe for disaster there, and there has been in some cases. Like I know vendors that have paid out probably you know millions in extra payouts than they should have as a result. They really have a millions in payouts? Are they still using spreadsheets? Yeah. Yeah. And you'd be surprised. Like a lot of organizations, especially when you get up into the enterprise, uh, very, very, very stuck in their ways when it comes to, you know, the way that they're actually going to do it. I think my one of my favorite quotes was uh, Jay McBain, who's, you know, obviously a, a big, you know, the thought leader in the, in the kind of the partnership space, you know, kind of made a call out to people a while back being like, hey, we just need to, up we need to start upgrading, you know, our reporting, our technology across the board because some channel leaders and some partner leaders have been stuck in their way for a while. And, you know, you know, what, what, what's worked today and should continue to work in tomorrow. But, you know, I think over the last two decades, we've seen direct sales leaders upgrade a lot of their infrastructure through Salesforce and then marketing leaders do the same through like a HubSpot and a Pardot. And, you know, PartnerStack hopes to be like this next decade's uh, solution to a lot of partner leaders too. So, so what are the usual pains pains that bring to you? You know, like is it oh we can't handle the commissions anymore? We we such a mess, or you know the volume of different deals, or really the pain of around like hey I can't find the right partner during business and kind of do the right integrations. What is the most common? you know, issue that is, is causing them to come to you? It's a really good question. Um, yeah, I guess it depends. It depends on the type of program that comes to PartnerStack. So if they are launching a net new program, uh, the first thing that they might be thinking about might be, you know, partner recruitment. How do, how do we find the right partners and, and, and where and in what's the right situation for it? Um, but if it is a... An existing program, uh, it could very much, uh, it could very well be, you know, automation and processes. Um, so I'd probably say it, it's a mix. Uh, a lot of a lot of organizations come to us, you know, to, to automate the processes, to ensure that their tools are working together. We have integrations with, you know, complementary solutions in the space like Reveal, like Partner Page, like Partner Fleet, Crossbeam. Um, so we want to make sure that those tools are working seamlessly together. Uh, but on the other side, there's definitely a good set of vendors that come to us to see to see if they can continue to expand in new markets or in new partner verticals as well. So I'd probably say like those are the two big ones. Sounds good. So sounds like you're covering a variety of different issues. You know, I'll, um, I want to connect this with your investments and you know where you're going from here. From uh, you know what is your what is your funding situation and what are you looking to get in the next funding round? Um, you know, where, where, where are you going from here? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a great question. So, uh, PartnerStack, uh, and I've been with PartnerStack for, uh, I think a little over six years since we were like three or four people, which is crazy. Uh, but we're, we've raised a series B, uh, I think at a little over $30 million us, um, which has been great. You know, it's, it's helped us uh, continue to catalyze our growth you know, develop, uh, you know, put resources into product developments, uh, put resources into integrations and create a lot of differentiation that we haven't seen in the partner space for a really long time. Um, 
there's definitely been players in the partner space that have been around for you know decades in some situations uh, and we still get our customers coming to us and saying like we're, we're we're really kind of pushing the fold when it comes to innovation when it comes to you know expanding their horizons when it comes to partners uh, and just trying to help them drive net new revenue uh, which is the big thing so uh, that's kind of our funding round in terms of when we're thinking of, of raising the next round I couldn't tell you uh, top of mind I, there's no there's no plan necessarily uh, I think you know in this funding environment we're being really you know cautiously optimistic with our financials uh, ensuring that you know we have a route and a path to cash flow profitability uh, and just make, making sure that you know we're we're doing right by our customers uh, in the same in the same vein so um, there may be a future where we you know raise a series C and continue on that path but right now, you know, I think the the goal really is profitable growth, uh, so that we and and really just really good, you know, partnership changing product developments uh, as a result of that. So that's kind of the focus for us at the current moment. No, it makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of companies they pivot, uh, you know, to profitability. You know, being organizationally aware how you're spending your money so that you don't have to raise that in the next year or so. And I think there's a lot of VCs that that instructed their portfolio companies, you know, that they should be thinking about not getting money in the next, uh, you know, till 25, right? So that's a pretty long horizon for a lot of companies, right? If you consider, you know, um, organizations that maybe didn't have that uh, very cautious uh, culture around spending and, you know, continuing, obviously, um, you know, the revenue growth. Um, so I'm glad to hear that you guys are just paying attention to these things. This is extremely yeah. important. It, it's pretty crazy, right? Like the, the shift in the dynamic in the market, uh, I think everybody is operating at a much different cadence than they were a year ago. You know, the yeah. difference in the year is, is I think stark for everybody in technology, especially given everything that's happened in the last six months. Um, so yeah, I think we're just trying to be prudent in, in, in ways we can. Um, obviously we have to, you know, part ways with some, uh, partner stack pancakes. Uh, that's kind of like the internal, uh, situ- like name for a partner stack employee. Um, but yeah, we're just, we're just trying yeah. to be prudent in what we can. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it, is that, you know, more efficient, profitable growth changing how you're going to market at all with partner stack. Um, you know, there's marketing sales, product partner like growth um what are the the ones that you're using the most and and has that changed all over the last six months or so it's a really good question um it definitely has uh for sure i think if we were spending a whole bunch on you know marketing and ctas that's definitely wound down a little bit uh over the last kind of six ish months uh what we've seen uh which has been really cool is a really big uptick in our own channel partners so uh, we've had a channel partner program ourselves for quite some time. You know, being a you know, partner platform, we, you know, you wanna you wanna have a channel partner program of your own. Uh, to because I think it'd be it'd be funny if we didn't. You know, if it'd be funny if we were preaching. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah we, it, you better do. You better do. Yeah, yeah. It's like we got to drink our own champagne in in a sense, right? Um, yeah. So we we found that especially over the last two quarters uh our channel partners and just our strategic partnerships have really stepped up across the board uh that's helped us you know really mitigate any kind of slowdown when it comes to you know marketing uh, marketing spend being decreased in, in in favor of you know 
more profitable acquisition channels, uh, that's been a really big win for us. So when we look at some of our strategic partnerships with distributors, for example, that's continued to, you know, continue to work well. Our strategic partnerships with our tech alliance partners like Reveal, Crossbody, and Partner Fleet, Partner Page, that's continued to work well as we continue to work closer together. Uh, and even, you know, we've launched like an affiliate program of our own. Uh, has even that even that's continued to, you know, drive a lot of dividend for us. So I think when when you look at like the last six months, there's probably a little bit less, you know, spend on your traditional marketing channels like a Google and a paid and a search and and a lot more interest in. You know, how do we how do we leverage some of these partnerships to drive some of that value? Yeah, that makes sense. Who are some of your bigger distributor partners that you work with? Yeah, I mean, the two that we work really closely with today are Ingram Micro and Aero, um, yeah. which is great because they are like the, what two of the top three distributors uh, in North America, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, we we work really closely with both uh, hand in hand, really getting vendors up and live in their marketplace ecosystem, so that you know we can maybe just bring down sort of some of these walls uh, around distribution that have existed for so long uh, and give a little bit more clarity into, you know, what it takes to get live, what it, what it takes to become successful. There's definitely been a lot of learnings for us over the last couple of years as we've worked with distribution. Because uh, I, I can guarantee you, you know, when we started, uh, we probably had a very different different definition for success and what it took to, to become successful than we do now. So yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And what is the best customer fit for for partners, Zach? Who are the the typical ICP for for what you're doing? Yeah, uh, typical ICP is B two B SaaS based organization um, in the fifty to two thousand five hundred employee range. About uh, we obviously serve a lot of customers outside of that. Uh, we work with Stripe, Zoom Info, uh, Vimeo, a lot of uh, enterprise organizations into it. Uh, but that's typically like when you look at all of our customers, the average tends to see you in that kind of like 50 to 2,500 range. That's typically when, you know, you're either looking to start or launch a partner program uh, or either have one kind of in the infancy stage and really trying to put some scalable resources behind it. Yeah, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, you mentioned some of the partnerships that you already have. Are there any new ones that you're thinking about getting involved in? Yeah, um, we, so our own partner program basically has like four core tenants. Um, so the first is like this affiliate referral motion, which is kind of this more, you know, more market, like more demand gen motion by its nature. Second is our agency relationships. We work with a lot of different agencies that help power different types of partner programs that tends to skew more co-sell. The third is our distribution partnerships and that those are the relationships with Ingram and Arrow and the fourth is kind of our technology integration partnerships. So the, I think that I'm excited about all four segments. Uh, but when I think about, you know, the two that I'm particularly excited about that will probably drive the most, uh, you know, excitement in the partner space, I think it's huge investment in the technology partner space. So, you know, doing integrations with different LMS providers um, is going to be a really big thing for us. That'll continue to extend partner stack's ability to you know, if you're an organization that uses a specific LMS, you can integrate really deeply within partner stack um, and do a lot of the work that's there. And then I think continuing to work with distributors in the space, um, other big up and coming distributors will really allow us to kind of like start bringing down the walls on on distribution. Uh, and specifically for like channel sales resale programs, that'll do, you know, quite, quite some, some good things. So uh, definitely a couple of those in the pipeline that uh, can't speak to yet, but I'm, I'm genuinely excited about. Yeah, that's awesome. I can't wait to hear about them. 
Um, yeah, on the, the integration on TechBrunner side, that's great because I think one of the concerns with the the companies in that, you know, fi- uh, 50 to, to 2,500, if you're a Stripe, you can get partners to log in to your partner portal. Um, but if you're a 100-person company, it's a lot harder to do that. So as you start to say to um, partners like, hey, log into our directory platform and our PRM and our LMS system and do all of these things, it's it's just hard to get the buy-in there. So I think PartnerSec's done a good job of like aggregating those things into one login um, that the partners can take advantage of all of it in one place. So excited to hear about that. Yeah, big time. And I think like at the end of the day, you just want a centralized experience for your partners. You don't want them going to a whole bunch of places. And and the the, the worst thing about it too is just the data, right? Like if if the data is in three different places, then that makes for a much more difficult job for everybody, including partner ops, which is like a new and burgeoning role that we're seeing a lot more of. Yeah. I don't even log into all of the platforms we use internally because I find it cumbersome and they do aggregate them in one place. And so Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a classic problem. That's a classic problem. I've seen this so many times. Um, now I, have, I have a question regarding you that all the different um, categories of your partnership program. And you mentioned the agencies, and I think I observed in the past that agencies always this, this is like a separate, you know, category and you know on its own. This whole world is operating on a completely different assumptions. You know that the, that the three others you, you, you listed. So do you see any particular change right now in the market in regards to that um, uh, that you know partnership dynamic um, and, and relationship with the with the agencies? Um, you know, nothing too crazy. Um, I'd say uh, with the agencies that we're working with, we're definitely seeing in this market that a lot of the agencies are looking to double down on the winners in the space. So, for example, we've had a lot of agencies come to us that really want to focus on B2B, uh, but they might be working with our competitors that work in the B2C space. So that's usually the big thing, but not, nothing else on my side that I've seen is like super crazy from what we have today. Okay. Um that's, that, that's very helpful. I think we can move maybe to the next the part. Um, which is the the live demo? I mean, um, is there anything particular you want to share with us that is uh, showing how the how the platform is working? What are, what are you focusing on, and what do you think is really distinctive feature? You know, among all the other solutions that we have on the market. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, I'm happy to pop open Partner Stack, uh, see and show. You know, just the vendor view, maybe a little bit of the partner view, some of what's there on the distribution side. And just show kind of where people can find resources and assets around some of our integrations. Uh, but a lot of stuff there we can kind of dive into. Okay, sounds good. So there's ultimately two sides to partner stack. There's the vendor side, which is what you're looking at right now. And then there's the partner side, but we'll flip between both. Uh, and so basically, like I talked about, you know, partner stack is intended to be the central operating system for all your partner partner programs. Uh, and one of the central nodes is that is kind of our group's functionality. So if you wanted to run a reseller program, an affiliate program, a referral program, you can create different groups with different rewards, different messaging, different marketing collateral for those partners, all within partner stack. So for example, clicking into the reseller group, you'll be able to you know, create an offer structure, uh, create links that point to specific link destinations 
create lead submission forms uh, that are integrated with your CRM and are customizable to you know the types of inputs that you need. Uh, create deal registration uh, that also connects bidirectionally with your CRM and also is customizable to you know the needs of the resellers. Or create application forms uh, with a lot of what's there. Um, the big things uh, that you know are really unique to PartnerSec that I think we kind of talked about a little bit before are the, the automated payouts of compliance for partners. So uh, our customers at the beginning of every month get an invoice for all the rewards uh, earned by all of their partners uh, in the prior month. So let's say it's March 1st, uh, you would get an invoice for all the rewards in February. They would be itemized like this. You know, your finance team can get a report. It could be exportable by a CSV. It can push into you know, your different accounting and billing systems that you, know, you take a look at it, you approve it, you pay it. And then we automate the payouts and compliance for all your partners globally. Uh, and you can see that here, uh, basically in the rewards and withdrawals, where a partner will be able to see, you know, in different types of currencies, US dollars, euros, uh, a bunch of other kind of currencies as well, the types of rewards, who they're actually getting paid out for. This can all be anonymized too, if you'd like, you know, the reward status, you know, the estimated date and the total dollar amount being paid out to them. So it provides a super clear and transparent experience for partners to be able to, one, see what's being owed to them, and then get real clarity on when that's going to be paid out. Uh, and it really takes a lot of administrative burden off of a lot of organizations to you know, continue to provide that information to partners on a pretty regular cadence. Now, two other things that I'll quickly talk through. You know, we talked about our marketplace at the beginning of this, uh, this, kind of, this podcast. Uh, our marketplace, uh, is, you know, we have 80,000 active partners. We have over 2000 here that have kind of opted in to be, to be reached out to directly by different vendors with opportunities. But if you're a customer on partner stack, and by the way, these are, these are just like demo, uh, fill-ins, uh, you can come in here, uh, and actually recruit and go through different partner types. Uh, that it might be a good fit for your organization. So it's really an opportunity to dive into the power of our marketplace. And we're seeing some pretty crazy stats across the board, where some of our partners, uh, some of our programs, I'd say probably the average program is driving anywhere between 27 to about 37% lift in their partner program from partners that have come through our marketplace. So this is a non-nominal ad to a lot of organizations. Uh, and the last thing I'll talk through uh, really is, you know, our work with distribution. So, you know, as organizations launch on partner stack, they might be launching, you know, their partner portal with referral, affiliate, or reseller partners. Once they do that, they really have the opportunity to tap into, you know, these external marketplaces, whether it's Ingram Micro, Micro Cloud uh, or Ingram Micro in general or Aero. Uh, there's really this opportunity to tap into these large networks of reseller partners uh, or referral partners or like resellers that want to be referral partners uh, through PartnerStack as well. So, you know, we've really thought about within PartnerStack, how do we not just provide, you know, the central infrastructure, but how do we provide a really, really, really clear path for you to work with some of your largest partners, which tend to be distributors in a really seamless and automated fashion? Um, so how do we really kind of bring all that together? There's more things in, in the demo here that we can kind of talk through, like, you know, uh, fraud management, e email campaigns, co-marketing resources, even integrations. But those things kind of that we talked about, uh, payouts, uh, discovery and recruitment of net new partners and uh, acts into distribution are you know, three really big differentiators that, you know, we tend to see all the time.
and I'll just even show this. Like if you go to market.partnerstack.com, uh, you'll be able to see a list of, you know, I think uh, it's a little over 500, 550 different vendors today uh, that are powering their partner programs on PartnerStack. So you'll see different players here like QuickBooks, like ZoomInfo, like Gorgeous, for example, uh, where partners can find their programs and actually join it and drive business to them as well. So definitely really cool overall. And, um, you know, it, it's really what makes PartnerStack more of an ecosystem company than anything else. Yeah, all of these features, are, they look awesome. I think uh, I, I like the fact that you have that around the distribution. A lot of companies really struggle with that. You know, it, there's so many steps in the process. And I think you, you know, really simpli simplify this. So quick question for you of all these features, how long it really takes the company on average to adopt this, right? Like, you know, I as a as a as a former revenue operations or current revenue operations, you can look at it in both both sides, individual, you know, is looking for something that, you know, can quickly put it you can put in, you know, it and plug it in and also make sure that you can just get the benefit right away, right? And with a partner in a lot of go to market functions, like we said at the beginning, you know, the partner is not maybe getting enough attention as it should. Mm -hmm. um, and you need to explain everybody, everybody throughout the organization, you know, what it does, why you think this is important, and so on and so on. So it's a lot of education process that I think it's slowing down the benefit of that implementation overall. So just curious how you see your customers adopting this, uh, you know, and what's the kind of tipping point where you say, okay, they're fully adopted. Now they actually benefit from that solution. That's a really great question. Most of our customers get up and live within PartnerStack in whatever shape that looks like in about 35 to 40 days. We're really proud of that figure because it takes a lot of organizations a lot longer to get a portal set up, but it takes typically about 35 to 40 days to get kind of like your V1 up. And that usually means, you know, some kind of attribution, links, lead registration, resources and collateral, uh, you know, the general structure of your business structure of your program. So the rewards that you're looking to pay out the partners, the application forms, the integrations uh, with CRM, uh, typically that's about 35 to 40 days. It can obviously go above and, and it can also be shorter uh, depending on the resources and if they're ready, uh, if they know this is coming down the pipeline or if it's news to them. You know, you should be surprised. Some people don't tell the revenue operations people to the last minute, which is, you know, it's fine by me. Um, but basically, it takes them about 35 to 40 days. So the first thing that they do is they implement the actual tooling and the technology. Then they start inviting their partners into the program if they have existing partners or they start recruiting partners into the program. I think what we look for on PartnerStack side is because we have a marketplace, we really think, think about like, okay, how, how long does it take a lot of these vendors to get to their first active partner? And an active partner is one that's generating rewards, basically. Um, so they might be, you know, submitting business, but if that business doesn't close, that's great. But it's not, it's not, it's not going the entire the entire way, right? It's ultimately, you know, whether a partner is actually generating rewards based either on margin or on commission in some way, shape, or form. That's that's kind of the big thing for us. Um, once they get to that point, uh, and once they start seeing, you know, success, you know, they they start, you know, settling into, you know, the tooling and the platform and they start seeing just just real growth in their the natural revenue of their program. That's when we start to bring up things like, hey, would you know, listing in external marketplaces like distribution really benefit you because you've clearly figured out the motion with your existing partners today, 
now I think, you know, it's, it's an opportunity for us to, to put you in a hyperscaler mode and really, you know, accelerate uh, some of some of the revenue that you're doing. Or, you know, what about some of the integrations that we have? Do you have, you know, a partner directory solution or account mapping solution that we can help, you know, really uh, drive a lot of this forward uh, with you as well? Um, so those tend to be like the markers that we see on our side, I'd say, you know, 35 to 40 days to get up and live just on partner stack. Uh, you know, by the time you might hit distribution somewhere in that like 60 to 90 range, um, that's kind of typically the flow, but every, every program is slightly different. Yeah, I had a question kind of in a similar vein. I think partner stack is one of the more comprehensive PRMs. And who are you seeing doing the, the bulk of that work? Like, are you seeing that there's dedicated partner ops teams or a person uh, implementing partner stack? I, are the partnerships team doing the heavy lifting? Are you seeing revenue operations team lean into that? And has that changed at all in the recent wave of, of layoffs? Yeah, I'd say that, you know, it's definitely changed um, a little bit. I think, you know, over the last probably year, I'd definitely been seeing a lot of, you know, partner operations people coming in uh, that have a lot of partner operations knowledge, typically into more mature programs where, you know, there's already a lot of revenue that's being driven and they just, they need a dedicated individual versus continuously relying on sales ops. I do think that there's probably a time too early to bring in partner operations. Um, you definitely don't want to over-operationalize something until you really, like, you've really figured out the recruit motion. You probably have a couple of, you know, partner channel managers in. I know that's probably a controversial opinion in the partnership space, but I, I also think like you want to make sure there's enough work for them to do or else they'll be pulled into other, you know, revenue operations projects. But typically it's probably a partner operations person or a revenue operations person or a sales ops person that's doing the heavy lifting on setting something like partner stack up. Um, usually sometimes maybe a developer will come in because maybe the operations people don't have like the keys to the castle when it comes to like payments infrastructure. And you need that to, to really make sure that you're paying out on like the, the right deals and the qualified deals in certain situations. But typically it's that. Um, I will say that, you know, partner leaders are definitely the ones, the, the main ones in the room when the, all the business decisions are being built. So, you know, how are we going to reward partners? Is it going to be a percentage or a flat fee? Because that ultimately changes, you know, integrations and things like that. Uh, they're there when it comes to process flow. Um, so it's definitely a combined effort between like the partnerships team and an operations team, wherever that may sit, partner sales or revenue. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so another question I have is actually, what is the most common inhibitor in implementing this solution successfully? Right. I, I mean, it could be anyone, right? I, I always, I'm always intrigued by the answers for this question because, you know, depending where you're going to go, we're going to go with an application that is on the marketing side or the sales side or on the partner or renewal, you know, you're going to have a, you know, one very distinct reason, but very often they're actually connected. And that's uh, either some organizational culture is just like, you know, how you think about your go-to-market. Maybe you don't have a really go-to-market strategy, um, you know, uh, that is cohesive between all these uh motions right but what is what is your uh you know perspective of working with the customers uh you know uh, on that just curious to hear that yeah um i'd say the biggest thing that a lot of people run into is just the operations timing um mm -hmm. a lot of ops teams are really in short supply um is what i'll say 
it's hard to get on their on their kind of roster and list. Uh, if you do, sometimes they might not understand why you're purchasing an external solution. They might try to spin up something internally, and you know that might be a, a blocker. And, and and so I think getting getting aligned with your ops team uh, early on is like a really big benefit from the programs that I see that actually launch you know, portals like PartnerStack. Um, the big thing is is if you have really good alignment with them, you're you're you know the person they're going to be the person that's going to be connecting this to all of the other tools that you use internally, like maybe like a CRM like Salesforce or HubSpot, uh, for example. And you know, partner stacks value is only multiplied once you do that. Um, so, you know, we 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 working really closely with HubSpot today, and you know, we found that we have like almost like a ninety nine percent retention rate when it comes to uh, vendors that oh. are on HubSpot, for example. It's crazy, right? Um, but like, if you connect your CRM, you almost the the value that you're getting from partner stack is, is so so dense basically that yep. there's no point in leaving basically, um, so yeah just just making sure that you that you you keep them in the loop that hey like this is coming down the pipeline um you know you might need to make time for it at this point in time and and they're involved in the process typically when they're involved in the process there's a higher likelihood that it'll actually get stood up the integrations will be done you know in a faster and seamless manner and and it'll kind of get going um that's that's typically like the biggest blocker. I guess the second biggest blocker is, you know, people tend to, people also just tend to to hesitate sometimes in a lot of situations. I probably like the second biggest thing is people just never make a decision on tooling. Um, so they're like, yeah, I guess, I guess what, 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 what's working today kind of works and, and it continues to kind of work for a couple of years until, you know, the leadership changes and then, you know, it's the leadership that's probably scaled, you know, technology. And so they come in and they're like, I don't know what we've been doing for the last two years. We got to change all of this. Right. So um, to Jay McBain's point, you know, a couple of months back, or if not a year back at this point, like I think as partner professionals, you know, we have to level up our, our operations and the tooling that we use. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of sales teams would not manage, you know, account executives or SDRs or BDRs out of spreadsheets anymore. Um, I think that would be a, I think, if, you know, you, you kind of be laughed out of a room. And I think, you know, we're getting to that point on the partner professional side where it's like, okay, we're still doing this on spreadsheets. It, it used to be a badge of honor. I don't think it, it is as much anymore. Yeah. You know? Well, pain depends. To do it. Yeah. I, I was going to jump in and say, I can tell you all the, the reasons we, we haven't done it yet. And one is, uh, it's just like the operations teams uh, having the cycles to implement it. And then, you know, sometimes you'll hear, we can just do all this in Salesforce. And it's like, no, no, you can't. So I think there's a little bit of um, like an educational process there across the, the ops teams and then just getting into their their cycles. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a, there's a little fallacy around this. I agree with you. Um, and I've been in that camp for some time too. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, that's my... Uh, uh, my thing, uh, you know, you will know, you will learn a little bit about me, but I think there is this fallacy around, oh, we can do this until you realize you can't, and then you are halfway through engaging your resources. Yeah, and and then you set for failure essentially, right? Because yeah. you know that you can't replicate something that is already so advanced that you know, in order to get there, you will need to literally replicate what it what is the other company's product right and yeah you know at the basic level some native reporting that can help you know maybe handle this through the spreadsheets but eventually you're going to get into a bigger problem and and that's where you know your effort is essentially squandered right so that's that, that's 
that's the problem sometimes with the operations, right? Big, big time, right? And Lizzie brings up a phenomenal point right, about Salesforce, for example. You know, ops teams see their Salesforce licenses and they're like, we could do all of this in Salesforce. We could do all of this in our CRM, which is fine. Um, but listen, I've seen large enterprise organizations that have come, you know, have taken that same mentality, have spent millions of dollars over multiple years. Right. You know, I think all, I can think of five off the top of my head. I'm not going to name them. Um, that that have tried and started Salesforce partner and program implementations and, you know, have either not done, like have not done anything in those kind of like two, three years, or, you know, it is, it is a fraction of what they, what they should have done in the, in the time that they should have. Right. So it's like, it's expensive, right. And it's expensive. It's long. It's, it's theoretically, it's possible. We're in the world of software. We're like, theoretically, anything's possible. If you really wanted to, you can go out and build a partner portal on your own, get a couple of developers and do all that stuff telling you the enterprise companies that have done it all regret it uh, because at a certain point those resources get taken off the project you have a really hard time finding those resources again and then if you want to make changes to your partner portal or your program or whatever everything's hard-coded and that and there lies you know you start building up some real technical debt for sure yeah needless to mention you probably don't have a documentation created for that so you're running into multiple problems uh I agree with you. And I think uh, you mentioned also another very important item around, um, you know, having a more cohesive approach to your systems, right? Mm -hmm. You have to have an architecture set for the entire company and you have to be able to, uh, you know, categorize them between those that, you know, that are fundamental uh, for your business and those that are optional. And I think as, you, as you're doing this, you also realize what are the areas that you don't have anything you know, supporting that part of your go-to-market strategy or, you know, uh, principles or objectives. And, you know, partner is, is one of them. Channel partner is one of them. And, and if you do this properly, very likely you're going to reserve the space and the, and the resources and money to fill that gap. If you don't do this, you very likely will, you know, you will fail in that whole, whole architecture and, and you will be on the back foot trying to catch up you know, with your competitors, right, on that front. Yeah, yeah, big time. And and, uh, and this is like this is me just saying, does that have to be partner stack? I want it to be partner stack, but there's a lot of tools in the space, right? Just as long as it's something, exactly. as long as we're, we're as a collective, you know, working and upgrading, you know, the tooling and, and the processes that we have to work with partners, it ultimately leads to us driving more revenue and and just better partner programs and mature partner programs and you know more success in the industry as a result. So. I'd love for it to be partner stack. I think it should be partner stack, but across the board, I think my message is more, you know, we got to do, we got to do better as a, as a collective. Yeah. I mean, before we go to go to the uh, rest of the product of the session, I want to ask you, um, you know, if you would need to call out one single metric that uh, you recommend your customers, you know, to pay attention while, while they're deploying your system and your, your, your solution, what, what that would be? Is it just deploying our system or just their partner programs in general? I think in both partner program that, you know, you definitely can facilitate through your system. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd say like the, the biggest thing for me is revenue. Uh, I know that there's a lot of like different like themes on this around like influence, uh, for example, which is important for sure. Um, I think, I think influence should be tracked, but I think, I think a lot of the metrics that uh, I advise a lot of our customers should mimic a lot of the, the expectations of the organization. And a lot of those expectations tend to lead to revenue. Um, so if there's a way to, you know, talk about partner sourced uh, as a central single metric, 
Uh, I think that's a really big one. I think especially in, in these times, a lot of organizations are looking for, hey, how can you help us drive revenue? I think influence is a great metric that shows like, you know, hey, these partners were involved in some way, shape or form. But in today's times, uh, especially when, it, when the CFOs have a, have a much larger stake at the table, they're looking for direct attribution to revenue. And so partner sources has, has almost taken all of the air out of the room. Uh, and that's, you know, that's a really big thing that I advise a lot of people on. How do you, you know, directly correlate a lot of the revenue that's coming from these partners to close revenue for your organization? That's number one um, for me personally. Agreed. Yeah. Um, and I think partner stack obviously helps with that because you have reporting that will show exactly what that source revenue is. You're not digging and trying to find that, which is great. Um, so what's next for partner stack? What's on the product roadmap and what are you uh, excited to be releasing that you can share? Yeah. Um, few things. Uh, we're going to continue to expand a lot of our functionality within the reseller space, which I'm particularly excited about. I think that that's been a long time coming. Uh, we've always been really good in the marketing and the referral partner space, uh, like so solution partners, agencies. It's always been kind of our niche, but you know, we really want to dive into really creating a strong experience for the reseller partners, which would mean you know more functionality around things like orders and license management, like that kind of stuff, um, which you know we haven't traditionally done today, but we're excited to continue down the line with. I think some of our work with distribution and, and automating a lot of those integrations is going to be particularly exciting on the product front. And honestly, uh, the thing that I'm most excited about, and like I know I've said this a bunch of times, but like, is our marketplace. I think our marketplace is a huge differentiator in the work that we do with partners um, will help a lot of organizations navigate some of the difficult times that are here. So if we can continue to bring down you know, the walls of distribution and make it easier for companies to connect to partners in our ecosystem, that'll be the biggest thing that that differentiates us across the board. Um, the conversations we're going to be having versus maybe even our competitors or anybody else is they're going to be ROI conversations versus tooling conversations. Like, yeah. hey, we can make these introductions to these five partners in the next two weeks if you launch on a partner set, which we can actually do, which is phenomenal. You know, we've We've got uh, you know some great leadership on our partner success team uh, that typically handles the network on partner stack, um, but that's that's what I think about is like how do we drive in in this economy in in these times how do we drive more with less and really it comes down to how do we as partner stack make it really easy for the vendors on our network and our platform to create better connections with partners that ultimately lead to revenue outcomes. Yeah, and it has such a great echo effect because you, if you are using partner stack and your partners aren't really using it you have to kind of educate them on unusing um the platform itself but if you already have partners that are using partner stack and you make that introduction they're already used to using it there's more immediate return so it's a, a win-win for both partner stack and the company adopting it which is great big time uh, we've even had some partners like you know some of our network partners that don't necessarily promote partner stack end up coming to us and 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 like anecdotally joining our referral program to refer some uh, new vendors that they might be working with today um, because we give them like this unique opportunity to sort of consolidate a lot of like the tooling. So like, partner stack's unique in the fact that you don't actually have to log in and out to manage multiple programs. You can just switch between the programs you're in today. So if you're like a HubSpot agency that's selling seven different solutions, you can manage all seven in one place and then consolidate your accounting around those solutions and those payouts in an easy uh, way. So We've had some partners that are like, yeah, I would love to refer this software. 
uh, but they have to come on a partner stack to do it, which has been particularly cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's great for you guys, for the pancakes. Um, Thank you. <laughs> um, and so AI is uh, obviously a hot topic as of late, which makes sense with uh, a lot of the, the macroeconomic things happening, forcing efficient and profitable growth. How are you incorporating AI into the platform and or uh, utilizing it internally uh, to help with, with what you're doing? That's a phenomenal question. Um, so there's a couple of different ways. Uh, the first is actually a thread off of the con- what I just kind of talked about. So uh, a smart matching algorithm uh, between our vendors and our partners. We have a lot of data. Um, so as you can imagine, we have 80,000 active partners. We have over a million partners that have ever logged in and like probably over 2 million that actually have an account on PartnerStack, but over 80,000 active. Um, and we want to create, you know, a smart matching algorithm that really connects a lot of those partners to, uh, to basically the vendors that are there. Um, so we're really trying to deploy AI and, and helping create some of those connections in a really easy way. So hey, you're selling these five solutions that are complementary to this, or you might have an integration with this solution, you should, you should be selling both. Um, that's, that's kind of the biggest one. But additionally, like automatic deal registration, uh, you know, data and information gathering on partners uh, that you might not, in, you know, might not have in you know, other external tooling as well. Um, so that's kind of how we're thinking about leveraging AI today, um, but still definitely pretty early on in that process. And we'll be kind of figuring out more as it comes on. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. It's a good way to, to start using it. I'm excited to see what everyone starts doing with us to make uh, make some of those matchings easier, make some of the, the chat functionality or messaging easier. So it'll be interesting to see where everything goes over the next few months. Yeah, it'll be cool. Like the the smart matching is like that. That's like I, th- I think that you know, between the marketplace and the smart matching, like that's, that's kind of like the holy grail partnerships. Uh, if you are just starting a partner program, you launch on partner stack, you get the infrastructure set up, and then we can tell you, hey, here are these five partners that sell integrated solutions that are a good fit for you to start with. It, it changes the game. Um, I think, you know, the, the most consistent problem that I've heard people in partnerships talk about, whether it's channel chiefs or technology partners is, you know, how do we find better or, or good revenue producing partners. Um, I think a lot of the tooling has helped automate the processes that, that come as a result of finding those partners, but very few actually help you find them. And so uh, if, if we can do that, then I think we start you know, really transitioning a lot of what's there. Um, but there's also some really cool experiments that we're also tackling with some of our distributors. So uh, there's one really cool one, which is like a lead pass where we're taking Leads that might come from like top of funnel partners, like a referral and affiliate partner, and pushing it straight down to resellers. So it's like a full end to end experience that you know started with maybe like an affiliate referral partner, but ultimately ended up with a reseller partner. So it's all kind of happening in the partner ecosystem in some way, shape, or form. You just took the words out of my mouth because I was going to say it'd be great if you could look at the customers or leads that we have and recommend them directly to partners because that's one of the harder things to do is you want to give back to the the partners that you're working with uh, and it's often hard to figure out what is that match when you have 10, 20,000 customers. So you're automating some of that process, which uh, is, would be incredible. Yeah, I I almost think like if if we could if we could do that, that would be pretty cool. Because if partner teams like affiliate partners or referral partner teams generated the demand, it took that demand and then pushed it down to the resellers with the channel sales team, 
I mean, you have a pretty automated motion. Uh, and these resellers, they could, you know, they could get certified. They, they, they would be certified on your tooling yeah. and how to sell it, right? And so that's a fully automated motion that, you know, produces probably much more efficient results than, than you know, doing something direct. But definitely still a lot more to explore there. We don't need sales and customer success anymore, is what you're saying. Partnerships can just rule the world. I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, in a theoretical ver- world, maybe. Uh, I think it's definitely still a long time until anything like that uh, becomes reality. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's proving a lot, you know, on the cost side as well, right? The ROI definitely in that model would, would be, you know, proving that your platform is great, you know, because you're really, <laughs> really solving the fundamental problem where that should go. And if you already know where that should go, you know, you're probably not spinning wheels with some other teams on the back end trying to figure that out, delaying yep. and probably putting at risk that deal, right? So time really matters here. Right? And I think that's where the AI is extremely helpful uh, because you don't have to go through the tedious and sometimes inconsistent, um, you know, elimination process or qualification process. If this can be done based on the large amount of data, or information that has been used in the past, I think it's just, yeah, well, very cost-effective. So every transaction that is going through a platform will have a lower cost and therefore higher ROI, and I think that's a great value for the for the customers. Yeah, I, I fully agree. Um, that's kind of where we want to get to. So we'll see. Uh, I think it's now on us to deliver a lot of that feature, those features and functionality, and so we're excited for it, and you know, it's definitely on us, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. I have a question actually on the AI part. I, I you know, we're asking this also our friends and the people we're working with. You know, how do you think the AI will change the way we work? Right. It, it's it's not only in your platform, but I think in general, you know, uh, working in sales with salespeople with the leaders, you know, definitely um, that's something that we're wondering, right? AI at some point at some point will be ubiquitous. It's going to be really hard to even see whether that is AI or some you know uh, something else. Um, so you know how you think you know that our work will change, especially in the partner world. Um, you know going forward. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean. I think I think AI will, will I don't know I, I can't like I can't point to one specific thing that AI probably wouldn't touch uh, when it comes to uh, you know our working world. I think depending on how far we decide to go with the technology, it can probably replace all of us at some point in time in one way, shape, or form. Um, but I think you know in the short term, when when, when I think of short term, I think like next five years. I think that you know we're going to see a lot of tools incorporate AI to take a lot of the administrative burden uh, off of a lot of people. So. Things like, you know, filling in and updating Salesforce for, you know, account executives uh, or salespeople. I think, you know, Dooley and some of the other, uh, Scratchpad and some of the other tools there have like a really big opportunity to, you know, maybe it's direct to call uh, update, you know, based on, you know, the the feeling that the AI gets uh, on, you know, the, the chance that that vendor will close or the notes that are there that ultimately also change it to the stage. Like, uh, I think we'll we'll definitely do a lot less of the stuff that, yeah, we we don't want to do necessarily, um, but I also think that there's definitely potentially some roles that might not exist that exist today. Um, that you know, if if done well, could potentially be fully automated. So 
I don't necessarily know which roles those are yet. Um, but seeing some of the some of what's been built and what people are building within the AI community, um, there's there's definitely a lot of that. I also think like I think we're still very much in the early stages. I think we're still all trying to figure out how AI can help us in a lot of different ways. So there's definitely a lot uh, for us to figure out there. Sounds good. Cool. Uh, last but not least, uh, you just mentioned a few companies, but anyone that you want to give like kudos to in the the industry, or other companies that you think are, are doing something that's really cool and you want to give a shout out to? That's a good question. Um, there's definitely a bunch. Uh, I think uh, when it comes to our integration partners, I'm gonna I'm gonna call out all of our partners in general. I think Ingram Micro and Arrow doing a phenomenal job on the distribution side, and then our technology partners, Crossstream Reveal, Partner Page, Partner Fleet are really kind of pushing the needle when it comes to you know partnerships in general. When it comes to you know partner programs that are doing incredibly well, uh, I look at Money.com and CallRail. Um, those are you know some of my in- internal aspirations as well too. Um, and then uh, yeah, like those are those are the big ones on my side. I think. Uh, uh, some there's a cool organization called retention.com in the Shopify ecosystem. Um, I know their founders well, and, and I'm always kind of impressed by you know, some of the work that they do to build in public. Um, so I'll give them a shout out as well too. So uh, but those those are the ones that come top of mind for me. I have to look into them. Our old colleague went to call, call Rail and uh, is running their partnership. So happy to oh, hear you're doing such a good job. Yeah. <laughs> You know what's interesting? CallRail is, uh, you know, I've, I've, my personal connection to CallRail was um, when CallRail was initially looking for partner platforms, they didn't initially choose PartnerStack. And I remember having the conversation with uh, the person choosing, and I'm like, you know, the decision you're making, this is, this is a mistake. And I, and I remember saying that. And we had waited six months, and then I remember she was looking around uh, in the market, and I messaged her, and she's like, I don't know how you found out I was looking. But yeah, like that the the tool that we picked didn't work. Uh, the integration didn't work, and we're back on the market. And I remember spending this was like peak COVID. So COVID had hit as you were, as I don't know if, if people remember, but like budgets froze and people did not know what was going on. People were not buying anything um, for the first two months of COVID. And I remember sitting down with I think you know the director of operations at the time and 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 some VPs and just being like you know, Nikita, is this going to work? And I'm like, yes, it's going to work. I promise you this is going to work. And, you know, three, four years later now, uh, it's three years later now, they're, you know, seeing a tremendous success on partner stack. So uh, I, that, that's a really cool example. Yeah. Yeah, they received the channel partner program. So uh, yeah. I'm excited for him. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's it for our episode uh, with Nikita with Partner Stack. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I think this gave us a really good overview of what you're doing and your insights on on the industry. So we appreciate you coming and joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me, Lizzie Dimitris. Uh, I'm happy to come back anytime and uh, continue the conversation. We're looking forward to it. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of the RepTech Podcast. Please subscribe on the listening platform of your choice and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing.